This week on a lively experiment, an outside agency finds Providence schools in deplorable condition. Where do we go from here? The report and its findings are devastating. And it's the usual frantic home stretch of the General Assembly. What's in and what's out? A lively experiment is generously underwritten by for 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us this week, former House Minority Leader Patricia Morgan, former State Representative Mike Marcello, and Ed Acorn, editorial page editor for the Providence Journal. Hello everyone, I'm Jim Hummel. Welcome to A Lively Experiment, a scathing report of Providence schools by an outside review commission that left some seasoned educators literally crying, confirmed what many teachers and parents already know. The system is totally broken and needs an overhaul. Amid the hand-wringing by top officials, Mayor Alorza gave what was described as one of the worst school systems in the country, a C. Now we find out he is leaving town this weekend for a mayor's conference in Hawaii. Um, we will get to all of that in a second, but let's set the table. They had a press conference this week at the State House. We're going to hear from uh, Governor Raimondo, Mayor Alorza, and the new Ed Commissioner, Angelica Infante Green. Here's some of what they had to say. The report and its findings are devastating and they shed a light on what is clearly a broken system. It's beyond just low test scores. It's the basics that teachers and educators and students don't even feel safe in their schools. And so we're talking about generations of kids and generations of families <laughs> that have gone through a Providence Public School Department that has not prepared them for the world that awaits them. How could this happen? How did we let this happen? There's a lot of conversation of who did what, who's responsible. We are all responsible. Everyone is responsible because we all knew what was happening. However, we're gonna take this moment that is extremely painful and lock arms and move forward. Ed, let's start with you. I don't know how many editorials you've done on the education system. You could probably have written these 20 years ago. The crocodile tears are a bit much for me. Right. Like we didn't right. know this was happening. Right. right. This, this has the air of Claude Rains and Casablanca saying he's shocked, shocked to discover this gambling going on in this place. This has been clear for decades, for generations, that the schools are in terrible shape. And what happens is we have a cycle. Uh, a reformer comes in and then makes some reforms. They're vilified, they're driven out of the state, and then the legislature backs off on the reforms. And that's not a system we can keep doing. We, we have, I'm glad they're saying this. I'm glad this report came out and it was so devastating and clear. But we have to change the cycle. We actually have to make changes and stick to them, and we really owe it to those kids. This this is shameful, what's happening to these poor kids in Providence. Pat? 
Well, you know, I was, I was a teacher, and I, I believe that every teacher, or nearly every teacher, goes to school prepared to do their job. But the situation, the atmosphere, the climate in those schools is completely broken. Kids are not going to learn anymore. They're not going to learn because they know they're not going to be taught anything there. No discipline. I mean, the adults have failed the children, and they have forgotten that it is the children that are the, are the customers, um, and nobody's paying attention to them. Nobody's doing the things that adults are supposed to do. Administrators are supposed to make sure that there is, there is discipline. I mean, when you hear about what teachers are putting up with in there, well, if they're putting up with it, so are all the other kids who actually want to go and learn. So no learning is taking place. Hmm. Um, and it's a lot of politically correct stuff that's going on instead of understanding that kids have to learn if they're going to have good lives. Sure. Well, I think one of the most damaging reports, too, is how the, the school system is run, the Byzantine bureaucracy that's uh, running Providence schools. The mayor has to approve, or the city council has to approve any expenditure over $5,000. Um, there's no really central offices involved in the day-to-day -day running of the schools. Um, principals really don't have much power. I was encouraged to see the, the uh, head of the uh, AFT uh, Frank, Frank Flynn basically say, look, we have a problem. We know we have a problem. Uh, we have to look at um, ho hopefully teachers' contracts, and maybe the legislature will get involved and maybe put some brakes on some of the stuff that these contracts um, have got, gotten into. We need to give more power to the and teachers. I, hold your uh, I, I think there's, I think we have a new focus. I think it's good that the governor is involved. I think it's good that the mayor and the governor and the new education commissioner um, are. Uh, looking at this uh, together at the same time. I think before we've had, there's no question that reformers don't usually last very long in this state because of the role of the General Assembly in it. G uh, Commissioner Gist is a pr prime example of that. Uh, I think some of that was her leadership lip st style more so than reform. But at the end of the day, we're never going to succeed as a state when our largest school system is failing its kids. So that's a bet, bet that is just not going to happen. I, I heard the teachers' union president on the radio saying, I didn't sleep last night. And, uh, you know, it, isn't she hearing this from her membership every day? If, if teachers are getting assaulted and they have dripping sewage coming out, wouldn't you hear that every day? So where is the union in this fighting for their teachers? Well, it's preposterous. It's the union is doing its job, which is to represent its members. But the public is not doing its job, and the legislators are not doing their job, which is to protect and support these children and the teachers who want to do a good job. It's just shameful. I mean, it's... Uh, and, it's, and they can't be surprised, oh, I couldn't sleep at night. You know, we've been writing about this. I mean, maybe I'm, I've got a <laughs> crazed perspective because I write about this so often. It's there in black and white, but the I numbers. You, I think when you have an independent group look at it, it brings a little more credence to it. But also, I think the, the, the real results of the charter schools, right? So you see the, the, the people in Providence who can get the kids in the charter school fleeing to the charter schools and get and they're doing and they're turning they're turning good yeah. results out. Yeah. So you know charter schools were set up through to um, to be a model for the rest of the public school system. We've got to you know some somehow adopt some of those models, those successes, and put them back into the public system. But um, you know parents are talking that the, unfortunately the parents that have the you know the most say pulling their kids out and going to charter school. And I, I can't blame them. I mean the, the report was uh, you know pretty bad. They say that some teachers you know kids who were not interested in learning they just turned the desk around and let, let them face the wall for 45 minutes while instruction was going on. That's not instruction. That's just I think it's kind of like prison actually. 
frankly. So you know, one of the reasons Deborah Gist was let go was because she was insisting upon accountability measures for teachers. I think teachers can meet accountability. I think they can do it. I don't think they have to be afraid of that. But their unions fought and fought no accountability. We don't want any teachers to have accountability. That is something that you have to put in yeah. the contracts. And our legislature is not allowing yeah, it to did, happen. And the, neither was this governor. No, no, we don't want an accountability. No, one, one it thing, has to be there. One of the things that GIST did do require teachers to be certified or be reviewed every year, no matter what their status was. And, and, and the teachers union basically says, oh, no, we, you know, we, we agree with that. But if you're a good teacher and you get high scores, you, know, you should get once every three years. Everybody who works in this country you should get certified or reviewed every year. There's, and we pushed back then. That was a regulation that was put by GIST, and the legislature overturned it. We've got, the legislature's got to get out of the education business, let leave it to the professionals. Set the policy, set the funding levels, set the broad parameters, but let's not get involved in the day-to-day -day running of, of school systems. And the bad teachers, they have to go. Right. Right? A bad teacher. The if you have a bad teacher in the third grade, your fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. The ripple effect. It, there's a ripple effect. So bad teachers have to go. So if you have to hold them accountable, and if you find that they can't teach, then they have to go. Don't protect the bad teachers. It's, it's, not, it's not a mystery what to do. We have Achievement First, which is a mayoral academy in Providence that has, it serves the same exact uh, socioeconomic group, turning out kids who are like, could compete with the wealthiest suburbs in the state. Absolutely. You need principals who can hire and fire. Now, are, you know, will the unions ever permit that? We don't know. You need longer school days, longer school years. You, you need to put the kids first. You need to make them the focus of everything you do. And this will be a test of will in the state. Whether and Finally, just the side to this is in the middle of all this and the budget hasn't been uh, settled in Providence, Mayor Lorza decides it's more important for him to be at a mayor's conference in Hawaii. And that's just what drives, whether regardless of what he could get done there, it's the optics that just drive people nuts on that. I mean, I think most mayors, I had issues with Buddy Cianci and Others, I mean, they probably would have canceled it and stayed at home, right? Yeah, my sense is he's been kind of phoning in his leadership in Providence anyway, except when he's, you know, trying to, to figure out a new way to hire people. Well, I mean, he's, if he's interested in running for governor, which everyone says that he is, he's got to solve this problem. And, um, you know, maybe going to Hawaii for four days wasn't the best idea, but he, this is going to make or break him. Either this school system is going to be turned around, he's going to show great improvement, or he's not. And or it's going to be a noose around his neck correct, during a, a, a candidate for correct. governor. All right. Uh, we are taping this on Friday morning. The budget uh, has passed uh, the Senate last night on Thursday. They're expecting to wrap up. Uh, Mike, we'll talk to you about this, and Patricia, you know how these last days go. There's 400 bills. That, that go through and we're trying to figure out in August. It looks like it's going to end today. Um, just give me your assessment on the session. We haven't had you on for a couple of months. Uh, having sat in that chamber, what you like, what you don't about the budget. I mean, the, the whole Victor Pedro thing kind of took over last week, and we'll, we'll zero in on that. But tell me what you think overall about Well, well overall, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have to say that I have to give the Speaker credit for keeping his 69 members in, 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 in control, and he got a budget that was passed. I mean, he passed that budget after facing a 23-member dissenting group in the early year, so in the earlier year. So he's, he's, he's kept his coalition together. Um, 
it is a not as great as the governor's budget. I mean, it doesn't spend as much as the governor wanted to do. Um, there are things in there that I agree with, that disagree with. Um, my problem with the budget from the very beginning, when I served in the legislature, we have a huge structural deficit in the state. Uh, we is not being addressed. It hasn't been addressed for many, many uh, decades, whether it's good Republican governors or Democratic governors. My concern is that we have done nothing to really start to shrinking that structural deficit. And um, we need to start addressing that. And no one seems to be willing to do that. House Finance Committee member, you want to talk about that? Former House <laughs> Finance Committee member? I think... I'm, again, disappointed that another year has passed without us really taking on the things that have to happen if our state is going to be prosperous again. You talk about structural deficits. We, we didn't seize the day. One more year. We seem to think that if we raise the budget 300 to $350 million a year, that's good. Well, that's going to be another billion in three years. Um, so every three years, we're going to add a billion, billion dollars to the backs of taxpayers. That doesn't solve the structural deficit. It just makes our state worse for the people out there, the average, the little guys, I call them, who have to pay the bill. We need to reform and eliminate the bad laws and the bad policies that are weighing down our economy. And instead, we added to them. We added uh, a, a guaranteed overtime bill for firefighters which costs, um, I did some math, it's about $24,000 per firefighter in my little, little central Coventry fire district, which means that's the same around the state. That adds cost to property taxes. And then we did the evergreen contract bill, which we're talking about school reform, that's gonna stop it. So I am disappointed that this legislature just seems to think it's about them and their power and maintaining their power, and it's not about good policy in the best interests of the people who live in this state. I, I agree with a lot of that. The um, the Evergreen Bill is a disaster for the taxpayers. And Speaker Mattiello was supposed to be the firewall, Ed. Right, what happened? Right. Well, he wasn't in that case, and uh, the governor was supposed to be a firewall, too, and she signed it. Uh, she got elected uh, and changed her position. So uh, that was very disappointing, and that's damaging to the taxpayers. I think overall it's a pragmatic budget. It doesn't uh, damage the economy too much. It, it uh, turned back some massive new programs. It uh, turned back some taxes that would have hurt businesses in the state. So at least uh, you have that. But, but as Pat says, it doesn't address the out-year deficits, which are staring at the state and you know we have to get serious at some point how are we going to energize this economy and how are we going to deal with the out-year deficits you know our gdp is the worst in new england the worst our growth our economic growth we keep throwing money and i know some folks may may really like all of that uh commerce rhode island spending but to me i look at it they're spending it on hotels and apartments on you know, maybe the big, the big Fane Tower, which is high-end condos. The things that need to happen don't cost anything. And that is removing the really bad laws that we have piled on this economy for decades. But when you do that, you step on toes. You step on the toes of insiders, and they become your political allies. So it never happens. But until we, we find the political courage to change those things, We'll never be a powerhouse of prosperity again. 
We talked a lot about it last week, the whole Victor Pedro, the, the million dollars that really was almost $2 million over the course of the last 10 years. Governors have taken it in and out for people to watch last week. We talked about that. And so now people are saying, well, this is the poster child for line item veto. The problem is it's coming at the end of the session, and people have very short memories, right? Right. So the line item veto is never going to be uh, implemented around we have a constitutional convention. Um, the powers that be at the State House are never going to give up their power over the budget. The legislature and the House particularly, I don't think if you're a Democrat, they, they, they value the fact that they have control of the budget. They want to protect that. That power is never going to be given away in a line item veto. And a line item veto does shift power from the legislature to the governor. And, and, and maybe, well, I believe it does. But in any, in any event, because it's even, even if it's true or not true, it's perceived as that, and it's not going to happen. So, you know, we lost an opportunity, I think, six years ago where we didn't call a constitutional convention. That's the only way we're going to do it. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to keep on doing the same way. But we can, the legislature could, be a lot more transparent in its budget process. And the line item veto would not solve this problem because, because it was deeply. It was buried. deeply buried <laughs> in a, in a forty million dollar. It was in a line item. We don't we don't budget line items, so it would it would take structural reform within the, how we do our budget to have the line item line item veto to be effective. But let's let's give credit where credit's due. The fact that we were able to find it and 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 someone put it in the paper. So the, the press has a role to play in this, and they need to keep on digging to this kind of stuff. But what didn't we find? Well, quite frankly, 44, 44 other states have line item veto. None of those states have, you know, crumbled. In fact, they have found wasteful spending. The governor sees the line items. We in the legislature, they, they just hand it to us. All of that kind of spending is invisible to us. But the governor sees it. Yeah, and I'm not sure about that balance of power because if you look at it practically, you're not gonna you you're not gonna it. use that sword a lot. You're gonna you're gonna go in right. surgically and what legislator really on a Victor Pedro is gonna come back and override that veto. It's just, I, I think it's a good check right. and balance. Ma Massachusetts has this. It doesn't significantly weaken the legislature there. And they um, save about a hundred million dollars yeah. worth of, of just baloney, baloney yeah. I'm just spending. suggesting that well, as long as the perception is that it shifts the power, it's not going to be happened from that from that body. Look how long it took us to get rid of the master lever, ethics reform over the General Assembly. They're just not willing to do that until it has to until Yeah, the master lever got passed and apparently the world still moves on. Exactly. Right. Right. No right. kidding. Right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. All those this is, I mean, this is stuff the public wants. It's 66% six, of the public wants this. Well, they got to, we're going to keep pounding and they're going to have, they're asking for a constitutional convention that could do a lot more damage to them than a line item veto. So I hope they wise up and, uh, and go and give the public what they want, which is a line item veto. I think the only way we're going to get those structural reforms is a constitutional convention. And, it's, yeah. it's, and I think we missed an opportunity about six years ago. When yeah, we but they, can it. you only call it every 10? Uh, you can do it yeah, 10 years. Yeah. So we can't, we're, we're years out. Yeah. Ed, who knows where we'll be <laughs> several years from now. All right, the, the, the uh, Fane Tower has been in the news again for a variety of reasons. Senate President Ruggiero um, wants the state to be able to have control over the 195 land. Uh, the legislature also upped the ante uh, a little bit for some uh, subsidies or tax breaks for him. You've been a big fan of this project. Well, I, I think he sh it's... <laughs> It's actual development in Rhode Island. It's we a guy got, who wants to bring in his own We want money. to encourage that, you know, and uh, we don't want to set up a system where these local politicians can shake people down or block uh, the process. So, I mean, I, we've been an advocate of, uh, you know, having the state control of state-owned land to develop it. The taxpayers had to borrow all this money for this land 
uh, and the idea was we're going to have economic development, so let's have it. And uh, so I, I think that's encouraging that the state is trying to streamline this process and actually permit developers to come in and develop this land instead of going to 19 or 20 meetings where they just repeat everything they've said already. Thoughts about the tower? I, I think it's a, I, I also support the development of the tower. I think it's, it's, it's a good symbol to have development in Providence. Um, I'm concerned about the $25 million that was slipped in as a separate article, not part of the budget process, added to the budget. I mean, I think that's kind of leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. If it was that important, it should have been put in the budget. The hearing should have and been discussed, had on yep. it and discussed. But um, you know, that's how we tend to do things in Rhode Island. So, Yeah, I'm fine with the project. I mean, I, 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 get, I understand that. One of the things that I don't like is the loss of local control. People live there. They have to live with that big tower. It's really huge. And I think that there were real people who, who really had uh, misgivings about that. I'm fine with it. Again, you talked about the 195 land not being developed. And that is not because we are not giving away enough money. It's because of all of the bad Who laws wants to and do policies. Here, right? Nobody wants to do business. We have to pay them to come. Well, you talk about process. economic development. Yeah. I don't think a condo is economic development. I think office buildings are. I think manufacturing facilities are industrial base well they're not yes, coming you here. have to have have to have living quarters for for their workers but they're not coming because this is a bad place to do business but what about all these apartments i see these the ones over near the train station there's apartments going up right and left yeah. who's moving into those because clearly these guys Probably are not going to build something are you saying right. college students oh college students that's it Everybody? I think that's a lot of it. Can you imagine being? I'm a junior at Brown. Come over to my my apartment at the Fane Tower, and we'll have a, we'll have a study session afterwards. So, what do you think is going to take to get this through? Because it's still the the, the jury's out. I'm surprised Jason Fane has has right. hung in there I as long too. as he has. Right. I am too. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Is the the process is just to beat up developers to the point they don't even want to come here is is a mistake. You've got to have a, a more streamlined process that you can actually move forward with development. And I agree with that. Let's go to outrages. Mike, what do you have this week? So my outrage comes from the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, they ruled yesterday on a 5-4 to four vote that they had no role in uh, fixing partisan gerrymandering. And I just think that's a bad decision that came down from them. Um, we now have a system, and because of computers, and I was part of a redistricting process, you can literally go in and pick your houses by street, um, who you want in your district and not. And, um, and being a Democrat in uh, Situate, sometimes they well, I, I, you, don't they? Yeah, and I didn't have very much to, to move anywhere. But but it, it basically said, look, we're, we're not going to get involved in the partisan gerrymandering, and we're going to leave that to the the, uh, the legislatures or the political process. The problem is the political process is, is, is rigged because you're not getting really competitive districts. You're getting Democratic districts and you're getting Republican districts and there's no, there's no attempt for moderation. So they kind of punted on this issue. And I think the, really the court made a huge mistake in saying they're not going to get involved. And I think it's going to have a long-term effect on the health of our democracy and competitive elections in this country. And I think it's going to make more polarization um, possible but rather than bringing more people together. Pat, what do you have? Um, in the budget, there is a brand new fee that the legislature decided to put on URI students. And the first thing that they're going to pay for is three new building projects. It's going to cost $174.8 million, a brand new fee. We are giving free college out to the kids at CCRI, where 82% of them 
aren't moving along at a successful pace, and we're punishing the kids at URI for it. I mean, this is a new fee that will grow every year because every year you know that they will come back and say, well, now we got to do a new dormitory. Now we got to do a new dining hall. So this is, I mean, everybody keeps talking about college debt and how it is stunting the millennials and their ability to engage, you know, to, to move forward in their lives. And they just added another fee. And at the same time that they gave more money to Rhode Island Promise, they took away needs-based scholarships to URI students wow. by 25%. My outrage is the removal of sports from uh, Warwick uh, High School and schools. And I think that's a disaster for kids. I mean, uh, sports, school sports, do so much to help kids grow and become better adults. And I, and it gives them a reason to go to school. And it's, it's one of the most cost-effective things government does <laughs> is support school sports. So I think that reflects the failure of leadership over a long time in Warwick, and uh, they got to fix that. All right, we have about three minutes left. Uh, they had the beginning of the debates this week for the Democrats. Boy, you needed a shoehorn to get everybody in. There are people, I follow this, I hadn't even heard of half of the people last night. There's some woman there, and then they, all these people are coming out of the woodwork. So obviously that'll get narrowed down. Uh, so Mike, let me ask you, as the Democrat, you know the Republicans were in this boat four years ago with 17 people and Donald Trump emerged. Who is strong enough to take out Donald Trump? I think we'll eventually figure that out. I realize yeah. it's June of 19. <laughs> I don't think very many people we got a little ways to go. To, a lot of 15 million people watched those debates. Yeah, I mean, it was very interesting. I think there was probably too many people on the stage, but it shows the diversity of the Democratic Party. Um, I think Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, did a great job last night. I think Joe Biden also has obviously a, 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 a great following. Um, I think the, the, we'll get down to five and we'll figure it out. Um, but I do think that uh, the Democrats, more than anything else, more, more than ideology, they want someone who can beat Donald Trump, who, who I believe, and I think many Democrats believe, is a very danger to the institutional um, structure of our, of our democracy. How do you think he looks going into the election cycle, President Trump? Employment, the number of people employed in all demographics is higher than it's been for 49 years. All right, our economy, I know we don't feel it in Rhode Island. You actually have to get out there and, and, and look at the rest of the, of the country. The rest of the country is booming. And uh, employment in all demographics, so black, Hispanic, um, Asian, women, uh, disabled, every demographic, if you want a job, you can get a job. Our stock market is booming. Those things are important, and it is because of this president and a lot of the reforms that he's put in place. Um, he's moving forward on all kinds of things that are really good for our democracy. So I think, I think he gets reelected. You get the final word. Well, I think Trump looks pretty strong, but the, what concerns me about these democratic debates is they're moving further and further and further left, and they're talking about getting rid of all the private insurance, which is not a popular position. And I worry we're going to have two parties that are so far apart that it's going to uh, endanger the republic because you, you, the way we've worked is you have parties that are sort of in the middle, just a little different, and uh, that's sustained our system. If you have communists on one side and you know rabid capitalists on the other, we're not going to function as a society. All right, folks, that is all the time we have. Thank you for joining us. And Patricia and Mike and Ed, good to see you. And folks, finally tonight, we lost an icon in the Rhode Island journalism world this past week. 
although Jim Terracani would probably take issue with that characterization. In a business full of egos, Jim was self-effacing and let his stories do the talking. Jim was fiercely committed to the truth and fearless in his reporting. He was a mentor, a colleague, a friend, and a counselor to so many of us during his career. And Rhode Island was a better place because of him. So thank you, Jim, for setting the standard for all of us. Just a quick programming note, we will be off next week, the lively team for the Independence Day holiday. So join us back here two weeks from now for our next uh, issue of Lively Experiment. We'll be doing a lot of mop-up from the General Assembly. If you can't see us on Friday or Sunday, check us out online on YouTube, Facebook, and however you get your favorite podcast. Again, thanks to our panel, and thanks for you watching. We hope you have a great week off next week. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Have a great weekend. experiment is generously underwritten by for 30 years a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders hi I'm John Hazen white jr. and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program